Good morning. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana. It's Monday, April 18th. It's a snowy Monday here in Indian and uh, Fishers. The temperature is 32 degrees. Yesterday it was 58. And believe it or not, Saturday and Sunday, we're going to be up to 80 degrees. So that's why we get here living in Indiana, but it's fun nonetheless. I hope everybody's having a great week and had a great um, Easter yesterday. And uh, today we have a very special guest. And I want to thank all of you for being here. And also would like to uh, thank the Apple Corporation for sponsoring the podcast and invite you to listen uh, to our latest uh, programs. Uh, the last one in, that we did was with Julie Storm. If you missed that one, Julie's uh, head of the language department in a great high school in Indiana and uh, you might want to catch that. Uh, we try to keep up with uh, the teachers and what they're doing in a real classroom. And uh, so that's what we're doing when we interview people. And today it's an exception to the rule. We have Guero Loco with us. And many of you know Guero's uh, uh, a rapper and he's also of, of language and uh, world languages. He does a lot of concerts for uh, students around the country in the United States. And he's now in Germany for goodness sake and he is studying in Germany. So we're gonna catch up with him today and find out what's going on with Guero and uh, his life in Germany. Guero, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Ossip. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good. What time is it in Germany? It's 8.56 in the morning. So what time is it over there? Um, it is almost three o'clock or um, 1500 as they would say over here. Okay, it's uh, so are you, um, I'm, I'm going to guess that you're, of course you're in Germany, but what city are you in? Um, I am in a city called Bielefeld, um, B-I-E-L-E-F-E-L-D. Um, I attend the, um, the University of Bielefeld here um, in the city. We're a small city in the northwest, of, um, northwest area of Germany. Uh, Germany is a huge country um, for anyone that doesn't know because you know, when we look at when we think about countries, you know, coming from the United States, we, we have this huge country. Canada is a huge country. Mexico is a huge country. And coming over here to over here to Europe, um, sometimes the countries over here are smaller than states. And so Germany happens to be one of the bigger countries in Europe, um, especially in, in Western Europe. And it's about the size of New Mexico, of Nuevo Mexico, which is the third or fourth largest state in the U.S. So. How long have you been in Germany now? Um, I've been here since January. Um, I came towards the end of my semester uh, due to COVID. We ended up uh, doing the first semester online, but I wanted to get out here a little bit early to be able to, um, to end that first semester here and so I could get acclimated, um, get used to things over here um, in, uh, here in Bielefeld. Now, so you're in, you took did you take any German classes when you first got there? That was my next question. Um, well, I, I I actually took a German course at IUPUI. Um, I started with some Duolingo before I came here. Um, I didn't start taking German here in Germany until um, at the end of our first semester here. And I jumped into an intensive German cor um, course. Um, unfortunately, uh, due to because I was learning so much every single day, I felt like I felt more and more confident with the language. Unfortunately, I had to go back to the U.S. Um, with the time difference, and then um, because I would have to start class at like 1 a.m. in the morning, I'm trying to do school shows over there as well, um, along with some educator uh, presentations, and so it just got to be a really heavy burden on me while I was still dealing with jet lag and and everything else. And so I did self-study for German, but I'm uh, I'm jumping back into learning the language because that's one of my main goals along with my degree here. So um, let's talk about German for a minute. So when you go out in the street, then I'm assuming you've got a, you've figured out enough that you can kind of get by, right? When you want to say. Uh, how much is it? Uh, I need this, or you know, I'm looking for this and or information. 
uh, how do I get somewhere? So you know that pretty well, probably, right? Um, yeah, the, the basics, um, I definitely have down. Um, <laughs> I think it's more of that confidence issue, too, you know, because, you know, when I look at it on paper, it all makes sense. Um, and then, you know, like how I remember when uh, learning Spanish as my second language, you know, as soon as I would try to open up my mouth, it was like, uh, it was a whole different story. Uh, but for the most part, for the most part, I am, um, I'm getting much, much stronger with the basics and that just increasing my comp, my confidence and my want to, to even to try and fail and make those mistakes because, you know, we can't really get better if we're not willing, if we're not willing to fail, um, on some levels. Now, can, can you, can you say something basic in German? For the listeners there oh yeah like just something you'd probably say in the street like, like how you just asked about how much is that um in spanish in german it would be uh how much is that um or how much is this and so like that's that's something basic we've got um you know good morning for good morning good day or or good afternoon um and so you know the interesting thing is that you know, as English, French, Portuguese, and um, and some of the other uh, languages that are classified under ro Romance languages because they're, they're Latin-based, um, English is actually a long-time distant cousin of German. It's a Germanic language. So that's not to say that they are, uh, they're very similar because in some ways they are, but in many other ways they're not. But it's somewhere along the line, they had a distant relative, a distant grandmother language um, that they shared. And then they both kind of split and went their, went their separate ways. But also Germany, because of its history with being occupied by Rome um, for quite a while, they also have some Latin uh, mixed in. And then also they're right next to France and the relations between Germany and France for, for many so, years. So... What languages are your classes in? Are they in German or English, Spanish, everything? Well, thankfully, um, they're not in German at this point. Um, but I'm in a program called Inter-American <laughs> Studies. So my program's called Inter-American Studies here at the University of Bielefeld. It's a master's. And what we study are the relations, the interrelationality, intersectionality, or not, more the interrelationality between um, the nations of the Americas. And so, you know, what is it when, what is it when the United States makes a decision? How does that affect our neighbors? Um, whether that be Canada, Mexico, the Caribbean, um, Sur, America, Sur America, Central America, but also how so those nation <clears throat> actors interact together as well. So that's in English then, right? Uh, no, it's in English and Spanish. I had to have a certain level of Spanish um, in order to get into the program because we're about six. So it, it's kind of like it. Uh -huh. So it's like you're dealing little, little in English, little in Spanish, or does one dominate or anything? Um, I would say it's 60%. Um, English and 40% in Espanol, so like 60-40 um, is kind of is kind of where we're at. And in most of our courses, even though we're invited to to speak bilingually, um, I, most of our courses are either English or Spanish. And then we have these modules. So we've got the North American module, um, North American culture and literature. Um, and then we also have like the Latin American culture and linguistics or Latin America culture and literature so, module as well. And then that one is mainly in Spanish. And then we pick so many courses, we're required to pick so many courses and we have to write this, this crazy long research paper um, at the end of the, at the end of each module. So now do you, so, so how many hours of credit do you get hours of credit then or are they modules of credit? Well, we get, I mean, we get the credit for attending the course, uh, and then the the big chunk of credits come from writing the module paper. So, but we we have to complete the module. So, some modules have two courses, some have three. Um, I think there may even be some that have four. And then, but the main thing that um, that they want is for us to write that paper um, during the semester that we finish the um, the module. So once we're once we take that last class for the module, so, then we write the paper. How many hours a week are you in class in actual class? Um, an actual class, uh, it's about on paper, it's two hours per course, and I'm taking six or seven. 
I'm taking six or seven courses this this semester. Um, something something in that range. But then we've got like no. block we've got so, block seminars as well. And then some sometimes there's one course that's like we're doing less days, but we're doing five hours five hours each day um, in order to get to get through that course. So it, it really all depends. So, so these six modules you're taking, right? Uh, uh, do you have to do just one paper for everything, right? Uh, no, no, no. Or is that per thing? No, I'm taking courses in various modules right now. So I'm I'm in like North American culture and literature. But, but it, right. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm I'm in so for this semester I'm I'm in North American culture and literature um, and I'm also in I'm taking one course in Latin American culture and, and literature and then I'm taking another one that has to do with global politics and then I've got a linguistics one which is the course called investigating world Englishes so until I finish the module until I take all the classes. Um, to complete the module, then I don't have to write the papers. So I don't have to write six papers or three papers, you know, so it's only once those modules are finished um, that we write the papers. So, but like when the semester is over, you will have done six modules, right? And will you have to do six papers or just one paper? No, it's it's six courses. So I'll, I'll I think I'll wrap up one more module um, for this one because I really went heavy on the North American literature um, for this one. Um, and so so from there for our program, I think we have to write seven module papers for the entire program, seven or eight module papers, which are like 60,000 characters or words or something. I don't know, it's, it's, um, it's crazy, but mm-hmm. I've, I've learned to start right now, um, getting all of my, all of my research together and kind of getting things themed out, my outlines mm-hmm. together. Um, so I'm not caught at the end of the semester. So how many semesters do you have to do the program then? Um, Total. It's, it's really four semesters is, um, is kind of how they have it broken up to. And then at the end, Besides the module papers, then we have to also jump into the our final thesis paper, um, which is some other monstrosity of, mm-hmm. of words and characters. But the um, and then that kind of brings all right. of our courses together um, and kind of the fields that we want to focus right. on and what we want to have our, our our final master's degree within the program. Now, so now you do not study in Guadalajara, correct? Uh, no. Or can you study in Guadalajara? I have the option um, to study at the, at the University of Guadalajara. Um, I opted not to because uh, for this up this upcoming following semester, I opted not to. And I and I think I've what I'm doing is is I'm going to stay an extra semester um, so that way I can kind of really have more of the full mm-hmm. experience here. Um, they they're allowing us, especially with COVID, mm-hmm. they're allowing us to take a couple extra semesters. I think I'm going to take at least one extra semester. The other place is in La Plata, um, Argentina. That's another um, school that, that our school partners with as well. So there are some options, and I may um, end up deciding to take advantage of, uh, of, uh, of one of those. But for right now, I really want to make sure that I'm having, um, having a full experience here um, in Germany and in Europe as well. So the goal, though, is after two semesters or three, two or three, you'll pretty much have everything done for the masters if you get the papers done, right? Uh, I'm guessing, right? Is that? Yeah, that, that, was, kind of, that was kind of my idea. Um, I also didn't want to overload myself um, with too many classes, um, with being a newcomer here, getting used to, to all the different the cultural differences and yes. living in another country. Mm-hmm. So, but, but really, that, that's what yes. I plan to, because I want to spend a semester. I may take one course while I'm working on my, my master's thesis. So I may take one or two courses, but I'm not going to overload myself or burden myself with having to write a master's thesis and then also uh, module papers to go along with it. Right, right. Now, so um, this, uh, and what's the name of the university? I think you mentioned that to me. Um, it, what was it's it? Bi- the university? Um, Bielefeld University, la, um, uh, the Universität Bielefeld. Okay. And uh, so is it, uh, 
is it a large university, small university or? Um, I, I think it's medium. They call it a young university because it, uh, you know, here in Germany, they've got universities that, that have been here for centuries and centuries and centuries. Uh, and this actually uh, came about in the 20th century in like 1969 is when the school got to start. And so they call this a, a young university, but it's really focused on the, on the, um, on investigating social social um, dynamics, social issues, they've they've got a great um, history department, um, sociology as well, and and then this my program, Inter American Studies, it brings in linguistics, it brings in history, it brings in sociology, um, uh, linguistic history, sociology, and geography, and a few other um, aspects and political science as well. It brings it all together um, and, and puts it in one degree focused on our hemisphere. So, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you mentioned that you were interested in um, uh, in really tying in immigration, right? In this, at the end, in the paper or whatever, you know, that you were highly interested in the immigration problem and the border, right? In the U.S. and and uh, Central Mex Central America, Mexico. Is that right? Um, that is definitely um, something that I'm passionate about. And I'm still kind of figuring my way through exactly what I'm going to focus on. But like this semester, I'm taking a course called Theorizing Migrant Knowledges, um, which is amazing because it takes a look at different perspectives of different types of migrants from all around the world, um, not just in our hemisphere, who who I have a lot of um, personal relations with through friends and people I consider familia. Um, but this goes beyond that um, to really look at the types of migrant knowledges that come from people from all around the world, um, whether they're migrating to the U.S., to Europe, or to or to elsewhere. Okay. Uh, now, the um, this the city you're in there. It, it, how many people are in the city, and what's what are some of the fun things about the city that you really like? So we are about. I think uh, the last numbers I saw we're about three hundred thirty thousand, a little bit over that um, here in Bielefeld, and it's um, so about the size of like a city, say like Cincinnati, and it's actually very similar. It's interesting um, because Cincinnati is a very German American city, and when I look around, a lot of what I see out here, um, it reminds me a lot of the Midwest, of that area between Ohio and Kentucky, Indiana. Um, you know, where you've got your mountains, but then you've got your seasons as well here. So um, climate wise, it's very close to Indiana. It's just not as much to the extremes. Um, you know, we're not going from snow one day to 80 on Saturday, like you all are, are over there right now. Now, your family came from this part of Germany, right? Yes, yes. And, uh, and originally, yes. And that along with um, because we have the one of the centers for inter-American studies is here in Bielefeld. And so that factor, that was a huge part of my decision-making and choosing um, this school over another one that I got accepted to. And, but then also once I, once I realized, because I didn't know exactly where my family was from, but shortly after I submitted my application, um, got things approved, I found out that we're like, we're like 20 miles away from, uh, from here. And then also like, even there's some factories here that a, there's a, a furniture making, um, a, a hospital furniture, company that they've got my last name, which is super ethnically German, I guess. And, uh, and I've never seen my last name on anything uh, in the United States. So it was cool. And that's like 10, 10 miles away in, in Hereford, Germany. Okay. And then, um, so what about uh, what, what things have been a challenge for you during your stay in Germany? Probably the toughest things for you in, since you've been there. Um, you know, it's, it's really been, I mean, of course, adapting to some place, you know, I'm, I'm all alone here. Um, so adapting to, to that type of change and being in a brand new place, um, not, not really knowing the language at all, not, you know, having a, you know, you can watch YouTube videos and things like that to get an idea of the culture, but until you're living it, it's, um, you know, that's the reality then. But, but it's been, you know, we talk about, about adjusting to the language, like I just spoke, but also, 
you know, there's the um, these other translations that are going on in my head all the time, especially coming from the United States, where we do <laughs> we do everything absolutely different than 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 everyone else. And so, like the measurements, you know, such as the temperature, you know, when people are like, "Oh my gosh, it's it's uh, it's so hot outside; it's 28 degrees," and I'm like, "Huh?" You know, so it, you know that's it, the Celsius, the Fahrenheit, um, the height. When people are talking about, oh yeah, I'm 165, and I'm looking at this petite person thinking, there's no way you're 165, but they're talking about the centimeters in height. So that pounds the kilos, the shoe sizes, and then translating the the euros. It's kind of fun, yeah. The key, the kilos are fun, right? Because you weigh less. <laughs> you know, in kilos. It's certainly a lot less than pounds, right? So yeah, I think what is it, two point two or something, right? Uh, yeah, to the pound I'm, or something, two point two kilos. Yeah, I'm not even sure, honestly. And so it's uh, when it comes to the the exact um, the the exactly what it is, because you know many times it's like walking around in an overwhelming state of translation, and uh, and this made me reflect on things about with the, the family members and even the students themselves of our, our, our um, students that are just coming from other countries and their families and how, if they're coming to the United States, they're also coming from a country that, that does things different, differently than we do it. And so they're not just having to learn the language, they're also learning those things that I mentioned, the temperatures, the height, the, the pounds, the kilos, the difference in, in, in dollars to the peso, or, or in my instance, from, uh, from the euro to the dollar. So now the dollar is still a little bit less than the euro, right? But not much. Yeah, yeah, it, it fluctuates. I mean, it's the value. It's been fluctuating between nine and 16 percent um since uh, since i got here so last i i think i just saw that it was like a like a one a dollar and 11 cents basically to one euro and so that's an adjustment as well you know coming from a country when i travel to other nations i'm, I'm used to to our money being stronger and here in the um here it's not it's not like that you know here the dollar is actually weaker than the euro Mm -hmm. Although it's interesting, though, right, that you can buy a decent amount of items, though, right? I mean, it's not once you get into the euros, right, the pricing kind of levels out for the products and everything. In other words, what, are you really about the same in the end when everything's said and done? You know, is it about the same? Yeah, and it might even be a little bit, I might even have a little bit more money left over here in Europe. so you know that but with the with the the um the atrocities happening and the, and the war going on in ukraine right now you know the the food's rising um finding things like cooking oil i cook a lot with, with olive oil anyways but but so that hasn't been an issue yet that hasn't been hit yet but like finding other types of standard cooking oil um it's it's very very difficult um sugar and just more of the staples are um are not as readily available and the prices are definitely um, going up. I mean, including with the with the gasoline, the petrol. You know, when we 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 get upset about gas prices, I see people on my timeline getting upset about the gas prices there. Um, but over here, it's much much more, almost twice as much um, for a gallon of of, of gasoline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot different, isn't it? Some of the things it kind of makes you appreciate things though right when you're there uh, about your own country you know it's one of the great things i always thought about traveling was you learn more about appreciating your country too right the good you know the good things we have we have a lot of great things and we kind of take them for granted would you agree to that or not yeah i think in some aspects and then also you know on the other hand there's also things i was like wow i wish we had this in the u.s you know, I come from Indianapolis, you know, we're not, yes. we're not like New York or DC or LA that have these amazing um, um, public <laughs> transportation systems. And, but yeah, here in Germany, right. you know, the, the train system, the bus system, um, they're all very, very efficient. Um, they do fall in line for the most part with the, the German efficiency um, stereotype. And, um, and it's just great being able to walk out yeah. of my apartment, walk a few, whatever, a kilometer, I think maybe, and jump on the jump on the bus, and it's going to take me across the city in twenty minutes. Yeah, it's amazing, and how you get around over in Europe. It's 
it's much, much better than it is here, really. And uh, one of the, uh, I noticed you had stopped in Madrid, but you haven't really gone on the subway much there yet, right? In Madrid? No. I did take the metro while I was out there. So I did jump on the subway um, in order to go to the touristy area. What happened? Where did well, well, what happened was I was flying back mm-hmm. from Chicago. I was flying out of Chicago back, and I get a message saying they changed my flights, mm-hmm. and and instead of a one-hour um, layover, mm-hmm. it was going to be a six- or seven-hour layover. So you know me. You know, I'm not going to sit around. Mm-hmm. The, I'm not going to be in a new country and then sit around in a, in a country I've never been to, um, sit around in, at the airport for six hours. So I went ahead and checked my bags and uh, and went out and checked out Madrid. And I mean, wow, I was just so, so blown away um, by the um, by the architecture, the metros, the, yeah, everything. Right. It's just an amazing city. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that took that took getting used to there were the two different types of train systems um, that, that they have. So I didn't know which which one I should be getting on. Um, but luckily, you know, I spoke the language there. And I was able to get to get some um, some really efficient help, and I was able to go out and check out the city. Yeah, yeah. The metro. Many people say it's one of the best in the world. You know, it's uh, so efficient. You know, it's very efficient, and usually you don't have to wait more than two minutes. You know, during the the rush hour times, uh, for a, for a car to come by. You know, when you're at the metro in, in the metro. And uh, just a fascinating place. And um, now you're coming to Madrid in Julio, right? Yes, yes. I think you said in July you were coming, right? Yep, I'm going to be. Um, so, yeah, well, maybe. I'll be out there with you. Um, yeah, perhaps we can hook up over there. Yeah. Yeah, we can hook up a little bit at, uh, sometime over there in, uh, uh, in July, because uh, we're going to be over there with our group in July, the Aventura Cultural Group. group. Um, now, um, this idea of getting around, right? Um, now, if you, yeah, I understand that Germany has some great highways, right? Really nice highways. Have you been out in the highways much or not yet? No, I don't even think, besides maybe a taxi. Yeah, besides like the taxi, I haven't even been in a car since mm-hmm. I've been here. Um, you know, someone asked me the other day, if I have a car, I was like, no, for what? Like, you know, um, you get for one gas is yeah. way too expensive. You don't need one. Yes. And I don't need one. I don't need one. I can walk. Yeah. Um, I'm in a small enough city to where and we are a city, but, um, but I'm in a small enough city to where the way things are located, I can walk to pretty much anywhere, um, without wearing myself out. Um, but there's also, they have the bicycles that on, on almost every corner that you can rent. They have the little scooters, um, that, that are, that, that are here. So there's all different types of ways to get around here as well. How, how is it riding a scooter over there? Is it pretty exciting, challenging? Uh, yeah, it, it is. Um, and I just, <laughs> I just. They're kind of crazy. They can be kind of tricky, right? Yeah, I just really started um, within the past week because one of the apps I belong to, they sent me like some free rides. And I was like, well, let me check it out and let me see. And, and, uh, and so that helped <laughs> for exploring the city and actually realizing how close things were and how much I had. When I w- hadn't went to a certain area, you know, I didn't realize that actually if I went through that area, it would get me there a lot closer because I was so used to being on the on the buses and on the um, on the train systems. Yeah, that's that's that, that's got to be quite a quite an exciting ride. Um, so, how about your f- foods in Germany? Which are the best foods you think that you like the best, and why is that? Well, I love the famous, the, the donut kebabs um, and the different variations, you know, some of them that come like, it's like gyro meat, but, and you can get it, I think, lamb, beef, or, or hanchen, um, which is chicken. And so I go for chicken um, and they slice it off of, if, if anyone has been to Mexico or they're familiar um, with al pastor tacos, um, it's on the big kebab. They actually come from um, the same cultures, you know, the, the idea of how to cook um, the al pastor and also mm-hmm. the donut kebabs here. Um, they come from the Turkish and Lebanese cultures, mm-hmm. but, um, but they just slice it off and they'll either throw it on top of some, um, some French fries with some tzatziki and a few veggies, um, or they'll put it into like a pita pocket or, you know, with the bread. And then there's other ways you can get it with salad and, and other things as well. So that's been one of my favorites. Um, I love the traditional um, chicken schnitzel. 
um, which is if you know for the people from Indiana, it's like our official our official food, the pork fritter. Um, but they make it with different, you know, they got chicken, they got pork and, and other meats. And then I also like the curry burst, which is a cultural mashup of German sausage with, um, with a curry based ketchup or ketchup with, with curry powder no. uh, mixed in with it. Okay. Now what is, what about your, um, what about desserts? What's your favorite dessert? Um, I try to stay away from them these days, um, just because I've been on a healthier kick. But but I like the the, the apple kuchen, and then I found these little bars which are amazing. I don't have a package around here, otherwise I'd tell you the exact name. But they're like kind of like granola bars, I guess, and they have um, their chocolate and banana uh, mixed together. And so I keep those around when I need a little bit of sugar um, to keep me going. But I really being here within the first two weeks, I lost I think twelve pounds. Um, when I got here, part of that's walking, wow. but there's also something different about the food because there's something different. The food doesn't stay stuck to me as longer or as long um, as it does in the U.S. And I know this because I just recently went back to the U.S. I gained eight pounds within like three days of being there, um, put on eight pounds. And then um, I think I put on a little bit more than that the whole time I was, I was there. And then I come back here now, and, do you think, and I do lose you the think? weight. I lose the weight all over again coming back here. Yeah. Do you think that some of it may have, may be too that you're walking more there? Oh yeah, that's that definitely um, plays a plays a part in it, um, and just more of a healthier healthier lifestyle. But like, there's things in the U.S. they've got grades on their food over here on the packaging, um, and it's more. The other thing is that the healthy food isn't in the U.S. for the most part. The junk food is cheaper than the healthy food here in Germany, from what I've seen. It's the opposite. The healthier food is less expensive than the junk food. Well, that's good, right? That makes it nice and it's certainly more accessible, right? Yeah, yeah, ab um, absolutely. So who, so who are some of your favorite friends you made over there? Uh, which must have been a challenge, right? You get over there and you really didn't know anybody, right? Um, yeah, um, that's and and I'm still going through that challenge. You know, it's you know I met you know I have some phenomenal classmates, um, people that, that come from all over the world, South America, Mexico, um, and and here in Germany as well. I'm one of two U.S. Americans. I'm one of two United States in the program, um, but I haven't really made any like friends at this point. I'm kind of you know I keep my circle small anyway, and culturally with the Germans, it's very similar. But I've just been kind of just being open to everyone out here um, and especially meeting people um, from different cultures and backgrounds that I may not have the same opportunities to meet um, while I'm in the U.S. or while living in the, in the U.S. And so I can't really say, oh, I've got all these, you know, all these great friends. I've got some amazing colleagues um, that, that bring some perspectives that make me think twice like, whoa, wow, I didn't I didn't think about that. You know, but I think I'm still breaking the ice and I've got a lot of, of um, there's a lot to overcome as well. When you think about um, our country and the role that we play in and um, not being the best of neighbors sometimes. And so, you know, there's there's that mm -hmm. aspect um, that's to be overcome as well. But I mean, all in all, all in all, from my instructors to the people I've met, you know, sometimes it's random. It's random people um, that, that you meet. I've probably had like more full experiences with the random people that I've met on the street, um, hanging out with people from, from all over the place, um, including here in Germany, Ukraine, Russia. Um, um, uh, where else was the other person that I met? They were from, um, I, yeah, I can't remember the name right now, but it's in Eastern Europe. So, um, so just being able to, to have those experiences, get to, get to know people and kind of hopefully show people a different, a different view of what a U.S. American um, may be, even though I know that I don't fit this, I don't fit yes. the stereotype um, for most of us. Right, but that, but so what about the back to the attitudes, etc. Um, what is the attitude of Germany as far as Ukraine goes? And I know the listeners probably many listeners, I think 
probably uh, are on the side of us, the Ukrainians, and, and the U.S. support that we're giving them. And uh, what do you think about uh, Germany's support, et cetera? Is it similar to ours? They're giving as much as they can, uh, pretty much. Is that what you would gather from what's going on? Well, um, from what I've gathered is that there's actually, they're kind of going through a, a cultural shift here uh, where Germany was more, they view themselves as a little bit more pacifist, maybe um, not completely, but more on the peacemaking side because of their role in World War II and World War I. Um, they, they saw their responsibility to the world was to be maybe intermediaries, um, peacemakers. Um, this has changed all that. I mean, it, it really has um, to where now they're they're like pumping their their so much money into the military now over here, um, and there's a cultural transformation going on um, with the military um, and just kind of like their their view of 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 who they should be. And I think that's going on with with a lot of countries. I mean, the U.S. We've always you know been more on the side of putting more money to the military than say education or healthcare, you know, things that are going to keep our people alive. Um, but I think that like Germany is saying, Hey, we need to, that, that they need to do more with that. Um, and, but I also, you know, there's people on both sides, there's people on both sides. And the, and the thing that we also need to remember um, is that, you know, I don't want to be held responsible as an individual. I don't want to be held responsible for the um, the actions of of my governments and especially not my presidents, um, as as we know, you know, regardless of what side people of, of the political spectrum are on, I'll take responsibility for who I vote for. Right, absolutely. Right. Um, and so you know, so I think that it's a, it, it made me sad when I saw like regular people from Russia being targeted that probably don't support um, the actions. You know, um, and that was happening in the U.S. That that's happened here, um, but but also well, what's happening to the that, Ukrainian with people with the sanctions, yeah. Well, and I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking basic human to human interaction. So because the sanctions are one thing that are really affecting right. people living there, but when we can choose how we how we treat others, we can we can choose on whether we're going to yes. treat someone with kindness, regardless of the actions of our governments. Um, or we can choose on whether we're going right. to use the same nastiness that our governments might use with each other. And that's one thing I learned in Cuba, hanging out with them down there. They told me, they said, you know, you and I, and I would always talk with the taxi drivers, they're like, they're like you and I are the same mm -hmm. on the human level. You know, we, we, want, we want the same things. We want to look out for our families. We want to live the best lives that, that we can. But it's our governments that, that seek to divide us. And I'm not making a political statement one way or the other, what's happening to the Ukrainian people is actually absolutely but, atrocious. Yeah. And, and it needs to be brought to an end, um, hopefully sooner than later. Right. And uh, uh, the, uh, yeah, the Cuba incidents is, is, it's a shame. It's a shame that we haven't opened a dialogue up with Cuba, you know, all these years since 1960, and we still don't trade with Cuba which makes no sense, right? And we certainly trade with communist China and other other countries that are not so much our friends. And uh, Cuba, which obviously would like to be our friend, I think the people who live there, they don't really get a chance, which absolutely makes no sense uh, on the political spectrum. Um, so um, what about this um, in Germany, Germany about Ukraine. I, of course, it's close to Ukraine, right? It isn't very far, is it, from Ukraine in Germany? You're not terribly far. Oh yeah, and going back to your original question, we're there's one country that separates us. Um, you know, separates Germany from from Ukraine. Uh, Poland is one of them, and I believe maybe the Czech Republic uh, um, is also mm -hmm. the the other. Um, and so when all this stuff first went down, I mean, the Europeans here were on edge because they're like. You know, we haven't seen war in Europe since the United States brought it. Um, you know, so there was that, there was this like, like almost like fish out of water, um, you know, the, the um, and so there was that mentality of like, oh my gosh, there was like, you know, I talked to a lot of Germans from both the East, um, the former East Germany and, um, and here where I'm at um, in more Western Germany. 
you know, that just expressed like dismay and disbelief that this was actually happening. You know, Germany thought that they could kind of keep uh, Putin, I guess, t- uh, tamed down through having an economic partnership by creating economic benefits that would benefit um, him, Russia, and the, the Russian people. Um, and that wasn't quite the case um, from, from what I understand from speaking with, uh, with regular um, every, everyday Germans. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you miss most in the U.S.? From the U.S.? Your family, I suppose, right? I don't know. What's your thing that you miss the most? Um, my family, yeah, um, my family, and then you know, you know me, Mister Ross, about um, authentic tacos. So you know, um, but being away from my family, uh, <laughs> being away from my family is tough. Um, you know, I was used to you know seeing my dad and my stepmother and, um, and my, my daughter, you know, every every single day. Um, I did not, I did not jump ship on my kids; they're grown, um, and so they are are moving on with with their lives and, and living the best lives that, that they can. And when I got this opportunity, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this because, you know, one thing we didn't mention from the beginning on on a huge factor for me coming here is the fact that I'm basically getting a free education. I'm getting a free grad degree, a free master's degree um, by being here. I pay about four hundred dollars a semester. Uh, and that's for that, you know, for, for that includes anybody. If you've got the grades. Um, and if you can get into the program, then then and it, to a public university, and that's about what it costs. That includes the semester ticket, so that way I can travel for free um, within this state, um, which is the largest state in Germany. I can travel on the train system for free, um, so that comes along with it. So there's other benefits. It's not like I'm paying that money into tuition. The books are free, you know. And if I would have, for one, we don't have a program like this. Um, as it pertains outside of border studies, um, but for inter-American studies as a whole, we don't have this in the U.S. Uh, and uh, on on this level. And so, but if I were to to have went to get a master's degree in the United States, I mean, we're talking about you know maybe walking away anywhere with between twenty and fifty thousand dollars in debt. Uh, and here, you know, I'm I'm going to be able to walk away um, hopefully not in debt, but as far as educationally. Um, not indebted for my not indebted for my education, and so I think that it's a great option. When I saw that, that I could do it um, in English and in Spanish, I jumped at the I jumped at the opportunity just to have the experience over here, yeah, and to learn about this culture, to learn the language, and then to also be my own proverbial fish out of water um, in some in some senses, and to be able to have that feeling. Uh, the vast majority of my friends are immigrants. And they told me their stories and I'm not, I'm not relating my experience to theirs, but um, I definitely enjoyed a much higher level of privilege um, living in the United States, being from the United States um, than I do here. Um, There's still privilege, but it's not, it doesn't Uh doesn't quite work the same as when I'm in the U.S. Right. No, no. So what are your favorite fun activities there? Watching movies? Uh, do you get, can you stream things? I assume probably perhaps on your, uh, you know, on your computer, your iPad, are you able to stream movies there? Um, and how is the internet there? I imagine it's quite good. It is. And in, in, I know in, whenever we're in España and Spain, it's very good, you know, especially in Madrid, the internet's equally as good, if not better, actually. Is it that way in Germany as well? Um, I can't say that exactly because that's actually one of the things that like Germans that they um, that they get really upset about is their own internet and like the the information of whatever the information inf- infrastructure and so they get really upset about that. Um, but I don't I haven't had that that many issues with it at all whatsoever. Um, when you know and comparing it with the U.S., I'm not even sure. I know that they can't get as many like whatever megabytes per second here and whatnot, but I don't use that many anyways uh, when I'm at home. I here I stream a little bit, you know, I, so I'll watch, um, um, I try to watch German series uh, when I'm out here and I, I just put the subtitles on either one way or the other. So like there's one, the very first German Netflix series called Dark and it's kind of like this, um, this sci-fi back to the future-esque um, series. It's been pretty cool. And I watched a few before I came here, but I don't have a lot of time to watch TV. Um, I didn't in, in the U.S. You know, I'm out here when I'm not at school. 
I'm going, I'm exploring different places. I'm going and checking out like, like almost every city in Germany um, has a castle. And so here we have the Spadenburg. And so like I go on these hikes, we've got a, a, the Tierpark, which is the animal, there's an animal rescue zoo here um, where they have bears and all kinds of cool stuff, wolves. And, um, and you're like pretty up close, you know, to the, to like the, the enclosures. And so that's, um, that, that's, that's pretty cool, but I love to walk and see the things that I'm otherwise not going to have the opportunity to see in the U S you know, I was walking with my friend here from Germany and like looking around and I'm like, Ooh, look at that. Look at that. Oh, wow, man. That's so cool. And she's like, bro, that's a house. She's like, I'm like, I know, but look at it. Like, and she's like, that's just the normal German house. Um, and so, you know, there are those, um, there, there are those, um, what can I tell you? Like they, there's those, those novelties or those new things to me that really, really are, um, are cool, that, that, that are cool. And I do got to, you know, now that I think about it, I do got to go back to your friend question. And I do, I do got to give a shout out to my friend, um, Laura Garcia um, from Colombia, um, you know, that's the, the Bogota. And, um, and she's really been a huge help um, to me. And then also my friend, um, Sabina, um, from, um, from a smaller town in Easter Germany who was, in, who was in this program. Both of them have been, have been huge helps. I guess when you ask that, I guess I just don't think about, you know, in the U.S., a lot of times I have more day-to-day contact. And then, and then out here, um, not so much um, with socially socially but yeah but those two Laura and Sabina have been um absolutely amazing in helping me um helping me to acclimate myself to Germany so are you surprised at the kindness of the German people overall or do you find them a little maybe more uh uh cool not as uh, perhaps openly friendly as in the U.S or in Indiana, especially. Indiana is an exception though, right? I mean, it's certainly a very friendly state, Indiana, compared to perhaps New York or California, you know, different cities. Uh, What do you think about that? Mm. Well, first to address Indiana, I think that would depend on who you ask, um, on whether we're we're a friendly state or not, you know, because unfortunately, you know, we legislate a lot of laws that attack attack different groups of people, Um, but, here and I don't want to overgeneralize about Germans, but the stereotype is that you know that and and I've seen this to be partially true, is that it does take a while to kind of like get through the wall, the social wall um, of becoming friends with someone. But like once once someone decides that you're that you're cool enough, they're not cool enough, but you you meet their requirements to be their friend, then they're like totally like warm, open, amazing people. Um, so like I said, I don't want to overgeneralize because it can be the same way. I keep my circle small. I, I try to like limit who I just openly trust until I kind of, while at the same time being open-hearted enough to help anyone. Now the stereotype, and I probably live up to this quite, quite often, is that U.S. people were too open. You know, like I don't mind telling someone my whole life story, um, you know, and if they use it against me, they do, whatever. It's, it's, it's my story. Um, you know, and so I kind of take that um, more, I guess, um, aspect, you know, or or that um, that direction or that way of being, you know, is to be more open for me. Where I think that some of the people that I have met have been a little more reserved and closed off. But then once you begin to um, to get to know each other, it's a whole different story. And you know, I did I did meet a couple of German guys coming out. I went to they actually had a Latin night here. And I met a couple of German guys by chance, and then they found out I was from the U.S. and, and I just recently moved here. And um, and they'd already been drinking a little bit. I don't know how much that had to do with it, but they're like, "You haven't had Jägermeister with the Germans," and so they're all trying to convince me. They're like, "Come on, come on!" And 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 so, so do I you, have, do I have you like one. There, there has been been plenty of kindness out here. So I don't want to say that everyone I met from Germany yeah. has lived up to that stereotype. Right. So have you, do you, have you liked the German beer? Uh, I don't drink a lot of beer, but I have had some. But it's not like how we think that it's like some 30% alcohol or whatever, 20-something. It's not like that. It's just they, they drink a lot of Pilsner, oh. um, their beer. They take a lot of pride in their beer. Um, it's highly regulated. 
when it comes to where, you know, much like in Mexico with the tequila, how it can only come from a certain district, um, certain state and in, in Mexico, Jalisco. Um, and so, so, you know, they do take a lot of pride, pride in their beer. Um, but it wasn't like this, like everything is this dark, warm beer, um, when I went to places, but, um, because of some medical issues, I don't mess with beer that much. Um, and so, you know, for me, the issue has been finding the good tequila. And so that's been my main, uh, my main issue is, is finding, um, is finding the tequila. Right. Yeah. The tequila seems to be, it's really gotten universal, hasn't it? You know, the popularity of tequila is enormous, right? I mean, throughout the world, a lot of places now. Um, yeah, but not here so, so much. Not here, are you, not here uh, so much at all. Not as much, no. Uh, what cities in Germany have you visited in any in countries in Europe yet? Have you had time to see anything else, you know? Um, a little bit in Dusseldorf and Dusseldorf, um, and then also in Frankfurt. Um, in Frankfurt, I put up a live video of that of walking through um, Frankfurt because that was where I would take the flight the next day to come yes, back. Yes, I, I saw that. Was, that was very nice. I, I saw that very nicely done. I saw that very nice. Yeah. And, and that was really, um, Frankfurt was the so, first time I saw like, oh, wow, look at, like, this is that stereotypical look <laughs> of Germany, you know, um, in, in some of their sections. But also you go around the corner and then it looks like L.A. out there. Um, and so it was, uh, that was interesting being out there and then uh, in Madrid, being able to go there and spend a little bit of time. But, you know, I've really been focused on acclimating myself and learning and um, not stretching myself too thin uh, while I'm here. Um, so I haven't really been able to see a lot, but um, but like I've got some people telling me that we've got to go to Berlin soon. So I'm going to go check it out and see if it's, see what all that's about. Yes. So what about the customs? Were there any customs that totally really were hard to get used to or most of them fairly easy or you knew a lot of them? Um, oh, man. Yeah, there's definitely some customs that I was like, whoa, um, this past weekend, um, you know, today's Easter Monday, um, which in the U.S. it's mainly Easter Sunday. But, you know, there's no dancing on, for, on Good Friday. So Good Friday, there's no dancing, which means there's no like nightclubs or music um, that are allowed to be open. Um, and a lot of states extend that through um, until like 11.59 on Saturday, 11.59 um, p.m. And then it, every Sunday is basically like a holiday. Almost everything is closed here in Germany, um, here on Sundays. And so, you know, the grocery stores, you're not going to find a grocery store open uh, here in Germany. So, you know, I got to make sure I got to do certain things. You know, I can't run the washer on Sundays. Um, you know, if, if today was Sunday and I don't know, this is, this is uh, Easter Monday. So maybe I'm being too loud now, you know, the, we've got the quiet hours, uh, over here. So those are, are some, um, are some of the things that kind of took me aback. Uh, some of the things that I, that I really like, but I'm still getting used to, is they don't just have the trash bin and the recycle bin. They've got like four to six different trash receptacles um, where we are to divide our trash, whether it comes in paper and plastic, you're to divide that paper and plastic. Um, you've got your, like your, your food waste that goes into another bin. Then you've got like your metals and, and like junk and, you know, your, your general junk, but everything is to be divided over here. So it, it just goes back to, to trying to be as efficient as, as possible. And plus the very environmentally conscious over here. And, and even though I don't always live up to that, I enjoy being in a place where they take that seriously and also learning to do it myself as well. Okay. So now, so you're going to be over in Germany for what? Another Probably another year, correct? Uh, it'll be a little over. It'll, no, yeah, it'll be maybe two years. Um, so it could possibly be be two years okay. here because, like I said, I don't want to sell myself short um, of the, of having this experience, mm -hmm. and I want to no, I want to make sure yeah. I come back fluent in German. Like that, that's another key issue. Yes, is that I, yes. I want this third language. Yes, and I want to be able to come back and talk with students in the U.S. Um, about the importance of not just being bilingual but being multilingual because over here, and I've talked about this in my presentations, 
Over here, I know people that easily, easily know six, seven languages, like there's nothing. And the vast majority yes, of people, yes, vast majority of so. people, they know at least three to four. But you also can't come over here with that, with that, that idea in your head that, oh, everybody speaks English, because it's not like that either. Um, or that, that everybody is going to no, cater no, to you, no. to cater to our monolingual selves um, outside of any types of, of tourist areas. You know, we've got to be able to adapt and get Correct. our kids, yes. get our students ready and prepared because the whole rest of the world, yes. the whole rest of the world is multilingual. Yeah. Now, so um, if you, if, just so the uh, listeners understand too, you are still going to do some shows, right? I mean, if, if any school wanted you to come, I think, are you going to have a timeout period where you're going to do some shows? Um, yeah. You know, coming up in the fall or uh, this coming fall and things. Yeah, if it works out to where I can I can be there um, and make those things happen, and I will. So um, it just so happens that I'll be able to be in the U.S. during September um, during this uh, during the start of the school of the school year in the U.S. So I will be available through about three weeks during the month of September. If anyone would like to um, to bring me to the school or to do things virtually, um, that I'm completely open to that. Um, while while I'm home, I definitely want to take time to visit with my family and to relax um, and make sure the jet lag ain't getting to me too bad. But I um, I'm definitely open because you know being able to when I went back this past time it was in El Paso, Texas. And when I went back, it was my first time performing live, which I did almost every day of every school year um, before that. You know, it was my first time performing live for students um, since COVID. And man, like it, it was actually, I mean, it, it shocked me that they were actually some of my best presentations. And it's like I took all that energy that, that I'd left during COVID and left to the virtual presentations and I put them into that live, um, those live performances. So, you know, we definitely want to be careful um, because I was a little bit like, are you sure you want to do live? But um, and they were like, yeah. Um, well, the, and, and I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up because um, that the, the listeners can still get a hold of you. What's the best way to get a hold of you then? Um, you can, they need to go they on want to get in contact. Uh, bilingualnationusa.com um, is one way, um, okay. or they can send me an email at bilingualconcerts, plural, bilingualconcerts at gmail.com. Um, that or bilingualnationusa.com, okay. um, either one of those works. Good, very good. Now, you brought up the mask wearing in the COVID. Uh, at, at Butler, where I teach, we've been uh, under under uh, mask rule for until uh, early March. And I, when I took my mask off, and the students said we've been going all year with mask on, but uh, it was like a whole new thing, right? Just like you said, it was like uh, it was just so much more significant not to have a mask on, right? Now, did you didn't have a mask either, right? When you were out there. You didn't have to wear a mask or did you? Well, I didn't. And I was actually told when I went in the building, oh, you don't have to wear a mask. But I kept my mask on um, because, um, and especially coming to Europe, mm. one thing that was very refreshing was that the masks were required for quite a while. Because actually, I think the day I left, that they um, right. that they took that, away the, ma yeah. the, mask, the mask mandate here. But in school here, we have to wear them um, unless, and if we need to speak, then the teacher will invite us to the front of the class and tell us we can take it off there, um, the professor. Um, but but going back yeah. there, the students so, were on one side of the gym. We did it in a gymnasium. So I, I kept myself as separate as possible from the from the students right, um, right. to start out with. And then afterwards, right. they're all rushing up and, you know, we're all caught up in the hype. And then I'm thinking later, like, yeah. oh, man, you know, but, but I do best to make sure that that i'm not going to be some super spreader yeah. in all this right right but but one of the things that it did that it does and and i think the teachers in education that we don't appreciate is we do not appreciate just teaching you know when we have when we had the opportunity we didn't have to have a mask etc cetera, etc cetera. we certainly take it all for granted right and uh 
you know, something that uh, really impacts listening, like especially in language when you have to listen and uh, watch people's lips and mouth and, you know, and all kinds of things and your gestures kind of being coordinated with all that stuff. And uh, it has a huge impact on the teaching. You know, it has in our country and all over the world. And I would say it's been a negative influence, the mask wearing. I mean, you have to do it, you know, when it's, when the, the, you know, COVID is raging. But as far as the impact on education throughout the world, it has to have impacted, you know, the, the, probably the emotional part of it, the affective side of learning tremendously. And even when we Zoom, et cetera, et cetera, it's so unreal compared to being in the classroom, right? And uh, so, you know, the, the, all this that we've, everybody's been through in the teaching game has been, you know, the Zooming and then the masks and finally now, hopefully, that we'll get back to some normalcy, you know, little by little here. But uh, uh, the teachers, what they've had to deal with has been enormous, you know, I mean, in the classroom, <clears throat> you know, they're doing it six, seven times a day with their mask on and all day and everything else. And I, and uh, it's better to, than, than Zooming, but it's not as good as not having a mask on. You know, that's one of the really significant things, I think, for the students and teachers, you know, to be able to, to do that. And hopefully, when you get back, we won't have to do that. That's what we're hoping for when you're here. It's certainly gotten better. You know, it's better than a lot better than it was. And, uh, you know, for everybody here, and I think everywhere probably, but it's still, as you said, you have to be careful, you know, Yeah, I, depending on, you know, how many people are. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we absolutely have to do, we've, and we've got to remember that, you know, there have been, you know, generations of people that came before us that made massive sacrifices um, in order for us to just be here yes, now. Yes. Um, and so I, I just, right, you right. know, there's, there's like, that somehow that a mask, and not that you're saying this, but I've heard others say that 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 being told to wear a mask somehow results in tyranny. Like I'm like, okay, like you can tell you've never really been out outside of the United States. Um, you to 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 see some tyranny, right. to feel some tyranny. <clears throat> you know, we got to look out for each no. other. You know, and so no, so there's going to no. be these things. No, that, that is not what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No, no I'm, I, 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 I'm not. Yeah, saying I know that you're not, Mr. Austin. No, no, but I'm, I'm saying, but but I am saying it. No, no, but it ha it's had an impact on everything. Absolutely. The, you know, learning and behavior and the, the resultant behavior of kids right now and adults and, and everything people have gone through. And I think we're lucky that we have the vaccine, you know, like at, at Butler, where I was telling you how, how they're doing, 98% of the students were vaccinated, you know, with everything, all the shots and the faculty. So. I mean, I think where that's happening, that we're seeing the opportunities, people who went out and got the booster shot, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's why we're able to do this. So, you know, and thank goodness that, we, you know, we've had our country's been slow. You know, I think Germany's probably way ahead of us, you know, in the number of people who've had their, their shots. I know Spain is Spain is up there high. I think I think they're probably in the 90 percentile now, maybe. Cuba is about 98 or 100 percent in Cuba and uh, the people who've had the shots. So, yeah, but they probably know, don't have a choice. But that goes back to what you said. We, we, no, they don't have a choice. But what you did say uh, about the uh, people in the U.S., they, there was there there. Uh, those people that haven't had the shots have affected everybody where this could have been. Perhaps if I got the shots early on, we would have been able to go without masks by now, right? And to do a lot of things. So it, it does tie into what you said. We have those people who rejected, you know, getting shots even, you know, and uh, things. So that was a bad thing. Well, and, and that's, um, that's people's, but, that's people's um, choice. You know, that, you know, we, we have to make choices as individuals and as a society, and we've got to yeah. deal with the consequences right. of those, that's of those right. choices. So I'm all about some personal freedom, Absolutely. but don't complain about the consequences later on. You know, and that's that I say that with love. That yes, I say that with love exactly. because I wish that we didn't have two million people that died from yes. this, that, that have died in the U.S. from this. And that's a a, yes. a conservative number. Exactly. Um, yes, yes, that is conservative. Um, so let's let's talk quickly about uh, what's coming up for you. Uh, we are in uh, April. So what what do you got going in May? School. 
school, school, school. Um, you know, I'm just really diving into the subject. I'm getting things, getting things ready. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything. But, no, I mean, I'm going to take advantage when I have some, some downtime sometimes and get out and see more of the country. Um, Germany bordered by nine different countries. And so I definitely want to take advantage while um, the COVID rates are, are dropping to be able to, to be less at risk while going to other countries and checking things out. Um, but I mean, for the most part, I mean, I'm here, you know, focused on school, focused on learning the language and, then, you know, hopefully I'll pick up some, uh, pick up a couple of good friends on, along the way as well, um, to share in these experiences. Yeah. Well, you certainly have done a lot. I tell you, very impressive guy, what you've done and inspiring and especially for, for multi-language languages and, uh, the idea of bilingualism, it's really impressive. And, uh, I hope you get to spread the word and have a lot of good concerts coming up and, you know, everything possible, the best for you. You've just done amazing stuff and uh, just keep up the good work. We're very proud of you. So hang in there and, and we're proud of all the things that you've done. And it's really significant for the kids, you know, and in the long run and everything that you've done. So, um, Thank you so much, Guy, for being on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you on, as always. And uh, um, I know, what time is it there now? It's 4, 4 p.m. Yep, 4 p.m. <laughs> it's 4 p.m. already. Time is a-flying. Uh, so, uh, at any rate, you've been awesome. And, uh, you know, we'll get back together, and we'll talk about Madrid, right, in July, correct? Yeah, yeah, my school's out July 15th. I think you get there a couple of days later. Um, and I was... I had the, the pleasure. Yeah, yeah. I had the pleasure of joining you in Guadalajara for one of the Aventura Culturales. Um, and so you know me, I'll, I'll help you out with yes. whatever you need. And then after that, I'm gonna go, you know, go off in my own little world <laughs> zone out there. Um, but I'm definitely <laughs> looking forward to learning. All right. To learning from you. I'm out there, and um, and this isn't an advertisement as much as it is my own life experience. Um, if you have the opportunity to go with Mr. Alsop to either um, Spain, Mexico, or Cuba. Um, jump at the opportunity because I mean, there's um, he really has a huge, huge body of knowledge um, that he brings and experience, um, and also human um, relationships um, in these places. You know, when when you go and like everybody knows Tom, like Tom, 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 uh, wherever we went. And so, um, you know, Mr. Dawson, I appreciate you very much. Um, thank you for being the my high school Spanish teacher that believed in me, um, and thank you for believing believing in me once we reconnected. And uh, if I can ever help out with anything and this many educators, I'm semi-retired now from doing the presentations. I still want to do them. There's not as much as I did before, but now it's about really digging in and research and creating um, ways to really make our country the best possible place that it can be for the people that are living there. So much love to you all that are listening. And uh, what a local, if I can help out with anything, let me know. Gracias. All right. Thank you so much. Un fuerte abrazo, hombre. And then uh, for the listeners, hang in there for May. We'll have another great uh, guest for you coming up here in May. Thank you very much, guys. Have a great week, and uh, I hope it's beautiful where you are. Goodbye. <laughs>